Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is animal news. <laughs> this is from The Atlantic. What scientists learned by putting 3D glasses on cuttlefish. <laughs> Why did they do this? <laughs> I'm very intrigued. You know what a cuttlefish is, yes? Yes, I do. It's like a, it's like a little squid thing. Kind of, but it's like a it's mini. A it's like a mini squid, like a little puffy mini squid. Um, cuttle and actually, that's they describe cuttlefish have blimp-like bodies. <laughs> it's kind of rude. Yeah, uh, that end in a ring of eight arms topped by two prominent eyes. It's not hard to mount a pair of glasses in front of those eyes, but a cuttlefish's arms are so dexterous that it can easily pull them off. <laughs> but about twenty to thirty percent of the cuttlefish involved in the study didn't seem to be bothered. And yes, I realize I haven't said yet. Why they did this. I will get to it, I swear. (laughs) Um, Together with his colleagues, Paloma Gonzalez-Bolito and Rachel Fjord, Trevor Wardill of the University of Minnesota used the glasses to show different images to each of a cuttlefish's eyes. By doing that, they proved that these animals have stereopsis, which means that their brains can work out how far away objects are by comparing the slightly divergent images perceived by each of their eyes, Depth perception, essentially, um, which is an ability I did not realize is only shared by humans and a handful of other animals. Really? So, like, not every animal actually has the ability to perceive depth. How do they have spatial awareness? I don't know. They didn't explain that, but they did point out that not everything can do it. Because it's apparently a really complex calculation, so it requires a certain amount of brain function. Wow, Um, I didn't know that either. So after, after they, this is just some history on it, after scientists rigorously confirmed that humans have stereopsis in 1838, like it took, apparently it took some effort to prove that we did, which is kind of weird because you would think we could tell because we can <laughs> tell. see. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it took another 132 years to do the same for another animal. Um, the first animal that they determined this for was macaque monkeys, uh, followed by cats, horses, sheep, owls, falcons, and toads. Okay, so why does this sound like everyone's just assuming that animals don't have that it don't until have we it do until the we tests? do prove it? I don't know. That's such a specific list of animals, though. Like, I, dogs isn't on that list. Okay, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. So you'd think they would, but yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, Wardle suspected that cuttlefish also belong to this exclusive club. Their large eyes have the same resolution as a cat's, and they have pretty sophisticated brains, as a lot of those like uh, cephalopods do. Mm. Um, they uh, also hunt by shooting out two long tentacles to grab their prey, which is a technique that obviously demands accurate depth perception. So that's kind of what led them to try this. Um, Luckily for them, a few years ago, another study glued 3D glasses onto praying mantises and watched as they struck at patterns of moving dots that resembled prey insects. This sounds mean. <laughs> sorry, this sounds really mean. Um, but because 3D glasses work by forcing each eye to see a different image slightly dislocated from the other, it creates a perception of depth. And by manipulating the dots, the researchers were able to control how far or near the insects should appear if mantises had that ability. And so that they, then they were able to see if the mantises like struck too far or too close, like relative oh. to where they should be. Okay. And uh, their, con- their experiment confirmed that mantises also have stereopsis despite having small brains with hundreds of thousands fewer neurons than ours. So they must just be specialized to some degree 
because they're, they, they pointed okay. out later in the article, mantises often have to grab things out of thin air. And if they miss, then, then they don't get a second chance. So oh. it's very important to them. I just, so praying I, I mantises are on that list too. What animals they've tested that, that they've proved that they, they that don't, don't have, have it. it. Yeah. I'm curious too. I just actually, especially with insects, don't they have really big eyes or like multiple eyes? Like some the of compound them eyes. It? Yeah. Yeah. But that, I, I don't know if it lends itself to that or what. I, this is so interesting because I just, I don't, I, was, know, I, I don't know why. I just always assumed like all animals with eyes had this. Right. Yeah. And, and so I, I feel like we've, t- we've talked like about my optics related things before, like color perception and that yeah. kind of thing. And it always blows my mind how much of this we just don't understand. It just seems like yeah. it should be intuitive because we can see. Right. Most of us. Um, so with the mantis's team, the mantis team's help, not the mantises themselves, but the people who did the experiment, Wardell's team did the same experiment with cuttlefish with 3D images of shrimp. Okay. Um, and they did this, they apparently like glued a little piece of Velcro to their face and then put the, and then like attached the 3D glasses with that. And they said, they made a point of mentioning in the article that the glue and Velcro would fall off naturally in a few days. Okay. So they were not, they didn't mention they, it for the, for the praying mantises where it sounded like they literally just glued the they glasses didn't, like, directly onto their face. super glue stuff onto the skin yeah. slash exoskeleton or whatever they have of the cuttlefish. Yeah. So it, it was good. a, it was a temporary That's thing. That's good. Um, and the team situated the shrimp at different distances, and every time the cuttlefish positioned themselves accordingly, confirming that they do indeed have stereopsis. Uh, so the article goes into a lot more detail about how this all works in the different animals' brains. Mm-hmm. And like apparently humans aren't good at detecting inverted um, images depth, like black oh. dots on something versus like black dots on white versus white dots on black or something. Like it, it messes with our perception okay. of depth. Mantises actually can do that. They actually have a much better sense of depth perception than we do, and cuttlefish like fall somewhere in between. They can deal cool. with the inverted images, but there was some other like special thing that like only mantises could do or something. It's 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 really fascinating. I I love this kind of stuff. That is so it's cool. Just, I love experiments where it's like I don't know why you did this, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about it too. But I. That that's interesting about the like the inverted thing. I mean, that's like ha- you know all those like um, what are they called? The visual like puzzles, optical oh, illusions. That's what yeah, I'm thinking of. Like the magic eye stuff. Yeah, a lot of those optical illusion things have to do with that like inverted depth or like two things that indicate a depth of a certain way, but it's like and tricks, it your, tricks mind your brain into, into thinking, thinking something. It's, yeah, I bet yeah. I bet that a mantis couldn't do a magic eye. Probably not. I bet a mantis would look at it and be like, that's just a flat piece of paper. I don't see anything. That's what a mantis would do. Yeah. It's probably not very fun to be, For, to be a mantis. A mantis. I mean, they can't do puzzles. Yeah, especially, <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, especially for the males because their heads get eaten off after mating. But that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other category. Well, look at this cuttlefish with glasses on. <laughs> I think, oh my goodness! I think they're adorable in a in a weird little alien way. Yeah, they're pretty cute. My first story is also animal news. <laughs> and it's also about an animal discovery. Yeah. <laughs> and this is from Gizmodo, and the headline is "Puffins Seen Using Tools for the First Time." Hmm. Um. Researchers have now officially watched puffins use sticks to scratch their backs and chests. 
a behavior previously unknown to scientists. I was going to say, a behavior previously only known to humans. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, some other animals do. It, the, the article goes into all this detail about how, like, some animals use tools and some of them don't. And, like, if you use tools, it's an indicator of, like, a higher level of intelligence, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So there's already mounting evidence that certain birds possess advanced intelligence. For example, New Caledonian crows fashion advanced tools. And I'm pretty sure those, I didn't look this up, but I'm pretty sure those are the ones that, like, are super, like, they use, like, human like car traffic to like crack stuff open and stuff. Have you ever seen that before? I've, I mean, I've seen lots of things about how smart crows are and how some of them yeah. can even be taught to speak like that kind of thing. They, they like figures, they, they're really good at like problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool to see actually. Um, and then they gave some other examples here, but uh, there are still a lot of open questions about how tool use arises and what groups of animals and why. So this research adds another species to the list of known tool users um, seabirds, um, apparently in the past, they haven't really been seen using tools. Um, but in this paper, which was published this week in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, Ooh. the authors wrote that the seabirds' cognitive capacities may have been considerably underestimated. <laughs> and to date, the only other birds seen scratching with a stick are parrots, prolific tool users and problem solvers. I was going to say, they're already known to be pretty smart. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's the only other bird that they know of that knows how to like use a stick as a tool or I think as back scratchers. Cause I feel like I've heard of birds using st- like yeah, sticks tools to, to get, get like food. grubs and stuff. Yeah. To get grubs and stuff. Yeah. So I've heard of that, but specifically to scratch their backs. Yes. Which they've is, seen parrots do it only. I'm just having a good time visualizing this cause it's, it look, puffins are also adorable. Because they are. They have it, like those giant colorful beaks, but then also these like really sad eyes. <laughs> um, there actually is a video of a clip of one of the things they observed with a puffin grabbing a stick and scratching itself. If you'd like to see that, I kind of want to see it. Okay, I will. I will show that to you because actually the puffin is very cute in this video. <laughs> I think I, puffins are adorable. They're like penguins with giant. Colorful beaks. <laughs> I love that it's all for half a second of it just poking itself in the yeah, stomach like, with a stick. It just like pokes itself and it's like, this is life changing. Like, this is video is like going all around the internet now. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they saw other things other right? than that because that was like a really, really fast split second thing. Well, they like, specifically if- mentioned back scratching and that was not demonstrated <laughs> yeah. in this video. So, but like the way it walks around with the stick is really cute. It's so adorable. Um, so, yeah, if you're listening it's, got like a bob. it's got like a bob yeah, like, and it's walk like bob, and it's, it like waddles over and it's like holding a stick and then it just like kind of pokes itself basically <laughs> and then that's the end of the video but it's cute <laughs> i gained a new appreciation for the cuteness of puffins after reading about this um but yeah that's basically it in a nutshell so now there's this whole other category of birds that they're including in this like tool use animals which is this whole revelation, and the authors were like, we should start considering what other animals might actually use tools, and we just haven't seen them use the tools. It's like, yes. Seems to be kind of a running theme of this episode so, so far, is like maybe animals aren't as stupid yeah, as we like to think they yeah. are. Yeah, it's a weirdly similar theme Maybe to we your think story. a little highly of ourselves. Hmm, I wonder if hmm. humans think highly of themselves. Hmm. We should do a study. Oh, Yes. My next story is health news. This is from CBS. 
U.S. cancer death rate sees largest ever single year drop. Oh, that's great. It's very good news. And I like going through that entire sentence, you could question whether it was going to end well. <laughs> but it did. <laughs> but it did. And that's what counts. The death rate from cancer in the United States saw the largest ever single year decline between 2016 and 2017. I guess that's the most recent like year that they they have all the data, data for. for. Okay. Um, since rates began declining in 1992. So this is the largest single year drop since 1992. Oh, I see. Um, according to a new report from the American Cancer Society, uh, the increased survival rate was mainly due to advances in the treatment of lung cancer as well as fewer Americans smoking and getting lung cancer. Um, hmm. This deceleration in lung cancer death spurred an overall drop in cancer mortality of 2.2% from 2016 to 2017, which is a pretty significant drop, really. Yeah. Um, lung cancer is the leading cause of death from cancer in the United States, accounting for about 27% of all cancer deaths. Wow. Which is more than breast, prostate, colorectal, and brain cancers combined. Uh, lung cancer is also the most common cause of death due to cancer among men over 40 and women over 60. I did not know that. So it's, yeah, it's apparently the most common cancer, not the most common killer. I think that's still heart disease probably, but. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like but specifically of, of, can else, of yeah. cancers, lung cancer is the, is the, the number one. Um, the decline in mortality from melanoma, the deadliest type of skin cancer, was also fairly dramatic, they said. So oh, that's, that's good. Also, I mean, also a good sign. People are either staying inside or putting on sunscreen or some combination of them. Yeah. Um, the progress also comes after the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved new therapies for metastatic disease or cancer that has spread to other parts of the body. Um, as of 2017, cancer deaths have dropped 29% from 1992 numbers. Wow. So since 1992. That's that's That's, that's awesome, uh, which means an estimated 2,900,000 fewer cancer deaths in that time. But yeah, I thought that was a nice uplifting story about cancer when I that feel like is. most of them are not so. And yeah, we're making good progress in both treating it and not getting it in the first place. Yeah, I have the like I have that feeling that we are making progress except it's it's nice when you actually can see some data that I says that. I love putting you know? numbers to it. Yeah. <laughs> I love putting numbers to a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, objectively proving uh, things. Yeah, that's I love when great. stats justify how I feel. <laughs> All right, my next story is food news. And this is from CNET. What's next after you've successfully imitated the look, taste, and smell of real beef? For impossible foods, the choice is obvious. Move on to pork. Oh. Now... I was going to guess chicken, but oh. okay. I guess pork works too. <laughs> pork. And maybe soon in the future, bacon. So hmm. That'll be a real test. I know. So the Silicon Valley-based startup uh, that launched the Impossible Burger in 2016 is tackling pork at CES 2020 in Las Vegas on Monday. Uh, the company debuted their Impossible Pork, a plant-based substitute designed to mimic ground meat from pigs. It'll launch Impossible Sausage later this month with a new Burger King partnership, which I think we talked about. Did we talk about that? That sounds or did familiar. did I just read about that? No, that sounds familiar. I think we might have talked about it. Yeah. Okay. So that is just with Burger King, but mm -hmm. they're launching like this whole other like ground and sliced, I think, pork. Sliced, really? Yeah. Like there's like, they had sandwiches at the event. Like, like it looked like, um, 
like a of Cuban like ham. Yeah, it was like ha- yeah. Oh, like, like sliced ha- ham. Oh, that's yes. weird. But it was the impossible pork. So that's like the first thing they've done that isn't ground, right? It looked like that's what it was. It never said anywhere that like it specifically is a ham, but ye- but that's looked like what they had. They had all these pictures of like these different foods they did with the pork. So they okay. had a bunch of it was ground like meatballs and different things, and then they had these like sandwiches. So hmm. yeah, they're branching out. Okay. Um, impossible pork, which is gluten-free and designed for kosher and halal certification, looks strikingly similar to real pork with its light pink hue when raw and tender and juicy texture after cooking. There's no word yet on when and where it'll be sold. Bacon is on Impossible Foods' roadmap as well. CEO Pat Brown uh, said Monday at the CES press conference. Um, so people were asking him, like, oh, are you guys going to do bacon? And he basically said, like, yes, but <laughs> it's not there. Like, he basically said, like, they, it's in development. Yeah, it feels like that's going to be a lot harder to get. The, I mean, ground meat seems like the obvious easiest thing to recreate, yeah. whereas bacon is... I, that's so specific. It's, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. But I'm in, I'm interested to see if they can do it. I mean, I guess. it'd be pretty cool if they can make it actually taste good. I was thinking like turkey bacon isn't even that great, and that's making meat from meat. So that's true. But did those people really try? That's true. I guess they weren't <laughs> did, really. Did they, just they weren't like, trying to imitate pork. I guess they, they were weren't just making. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they were like, well, let's just make this meat into this we'll make, form yeah like okay you know okay i don't you know that they really me. tried i'll see sorry if you work for a turkey, a turkey baking, baking company, company. yes yeah. <laughs> sorry but i'm not super impressed it's sorry. <laughs> sorry but quit your job <laughs> what are you doing with your life um <laughs> so um so people were asking them also about like what else is on their roadmap, and apparently the CEO hinted that seafood is on their priority list to try to imitate. That's so isn't that strange? Weird? That's yeah, also like, a broad category. True. There's a lot of stuff. Like I, I, maybe the easiest thing would probably be something like well, I was thinking like, like calamari, where you could oh. make it like little fried things, and you wouldn't actually be able to see the meat itself. But that's like also a very distinctive texture, so I don't know how they would reproduce that's that. That's true. Okay, so you could go in the direction of like fish sticks and that kind of stuff. Oh, that would be, yeah. Which might be doable, big. or you could go the route of like imitation lobster, like imitation crab kind of stuff, which mm. I feel like how would you recreate that texture? I don't know, but they must yeah. think maybe it's possible because... Well, how do the imitation crab people do it? That's true. Wait, what is imitation <laughs> crab? I think it's isn't it, fish. Yeah, isn't it just like a, some other some other type of fish, and they like dye it a certain color? But or it's something? not. No, no, because it's because you're able to eat it. Wait, no, do they cook it? I don't know. What it's in sushi, and what? I'm trying to think. <laughs> should I look it up? <laughs> yeah, because I'm curious now. I, I feel like I should know what that is, but I've eaten a lot of it. <laughs> so eaten a lot of like California rolls. Wait, is it in California rolls? Yes. Imitation. Oh, is that imitation? In Probably. a lot of them, yeah. Okay. Okay, according to Healthline.com, um, it is a highly processed fish meat and is sometimes called the hot dog of the sea, which now makes me afraid to ever eat it again. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> um, uh. it's, it is made from other fish that's been minced into a paste. Yum. That is then blended with other ingredients before being heated and pressed into shapes that mimic crab meat. This is terrifying. 
I don't care for the vague other ingredients there. Also, I don't like anything that I eat described as a paste. So, Gross. that's what imitation crab is. Okay, well, if that can exist and sell a lot, yeah. then probably oh, impossible pro- these guys can make seafood. I'm surprised they don't have it already. <laughs> so, I've completely turned around on this. They can they could yeah, probably I pump mean, out like, some imitation crab right now. The market is there. The yeah. market is there. Make some I mean, imitation beef-based imitation crab. That's... Um, That's some nasty sushi. Um, if you'd like to know the ingredients of the impossible pork, um, it is processed like its beef predecessor, and mm-hmm. it has soy in it and sunflower oil and coconut oil, as well as amino acids, vitamins and sugars, and heme. The blood which stuff. Which is that... <laughs> yeah, right. it's the blood stuff. <laughs> The, you know the technical term, the blood the stuff. Iron, an iron-containing compound found in all living organisms and makes it taste like meat. Tastes meaty. Yeah. The blood stuff. The blood stuff, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the ingredients. So yeah. all vegetarian. So would you eat, would you eat the, this pork? I'd, I'd try it. Yeah, same. Yeah. I remember one time I had a, like, biscuits and a vegan biscuits and gravy dish and i was eating it with people some people who are vegan and they were really excited that i was eating it and they were like can you tell the difference i was like yeah (laughs) (laughs) this is gross so i hope i hope this is an improvement (laughs) and i can have a proper vegan sauce like sausage gravy and biscuits in the future that actually tastes (laughs) that tastes like food and not plastic yeah, I would like that experience as well. Um, salty plastic. That's what it tastes salty like. Salty plastic. <laughs> it was that disgusting. really bad. I think it was like Satan or something, whatever that, how you yeah, that I've, stuff. I've had that. There's a reason it's so I'm, close to Satan. Just I've saying. had it multiple times and I'd never like it. Like it no, just, it's not good. I don't like <sighs> tofu either, but... I think tofu I, can taste good if it's cooked a certain way. That's what everyone tells me and I've had it many ways and really? I have not enjoyed it in okay. any form, but yeah. I'm, I mean, that's fair. Hey, that's if fair. other people it's, like it, good for you. Have Go to, go to town. Yeah, I'm waiting for yeah. impossible meat. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and even then, I'm still going to eat regular meat. Sorry. Probably meat too. So it is what it is. My next story is random local news. I love random local news. This is from w, WUSA9.com. All Just, right. You know, typical of random local news. We <laughs> yeah. don't understand <laughs> yeah. the URL. Uh Indiana twins born 30 minutes apart on separate days, years, and decades. Oh, wow. That's the jackpot, That's right? That's fun. So Jocelyn and Jackson are twins born in different decades last week at Ascension St. Vincent uh, Carmel Hospital in Pendleton, Indiana. Uh, the twins weren't due until February 19th, but obviously had their own arrival plans. Uh, Jocelyn was born last year on the 31st, while Jackson was born this year on the 1st. So different days, different years, but also different decades, which is really cool. Um, Both twins are on feeding tubes and maybe in the hospital for a while because they're very premature, but otherwise they're healthy and doing well. So they're doing, they're doing okay. They're just, they're just premature. Um, Mom hopes to come home uh, Saturday of this week, I believe. Um, I'm trying to, I think this story came out last Saturday and uh, the twins also have 10 and five year old brothers at home in Pendleton. So that's going to be a very busy household. But I thought that was so cool. Like, what are the it's what so are cool. the chances of having not like not only twins but 
two different days, years, and decades. Like I'm sure they're one of a kind. Well, two of a kind. Yeah, that that's yeah. Like, what are the chances of that? It's so slim. That's so cool. Do you think like when they're older, they're gonna think that that's like cool, or are they just gonna not even care? I feel like their parents are gonna bring it up at every given opportunity, and they're just gonna get sick of it at a certain point. <laughs> you think? But I mean, hey, they have like it's a great icebreaker. It's like, hey, I have that's a true. I have a twin that was born in a different decade. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is kind of cool. Play two truths and a lie, and have that be one of your truths, and I never, nobody, no one ever would know. ever know. No one ever know. Unless you played that game with the same group of people more than once. Yeah, but you shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> then, then do something different. Come on, <laughs> come on, Jackson. <laughs> Get it together, Jocelyn. <laughs> we need to coach you on how to play this game. <laughs> two truths and a lie. It's really easy. It's, it's right in the name. <laughs> All right, my third story is space news. This is from CNN. The search for oxygen on exoplanets, other planets outside of our solar system, is thought to be an aid in the search for life outside the Earth. And now astronomers have developed a new method for detecting oxygen on exoplanets, according to a new study published on Monday in the journal Nature Astronomy. Uh, the scientists believe that their new method could speed up the quest for life, like basically like okay. <laughs> the ability to find life on another planet right. um, by making it easier to tell if individual exoplanets could host life since oxygen is considered a biosignature of the presence of living organisms. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, the new method will rely on detecting the strong signal created when oxygen molecules collide with each other in the atmospheres of the exoplanets. Um, so... I'm not going to go into a ton of detail, but basically there's some type of like infrared signal that is created when oxygen molecules are present in an atmosphere that can somehow be detected by our telescopes looking at other planets because it like disrupts the light pattern a certain way and they can like detect that oxygen is there. Weird. You think? Yeah. You think that's happening? (laughs) That'd be happening on our own planet too. How do we, but we were able to see past that. Well, it's not, it's not like, I don't a, know how any of this works. I don't think it's like a, like a blocking, like now you can't see anything. It's like some type of pattern that only occurs when oxygen is present okay. or some type of light. It affects the light in some way. And I think that the, it does happen on earth too. And they've done, they know that like it would happen with earth's, earth's atmosphere mm-hmm. and they have seen it on other planets where they know there's oxygen, I guess. I don't know. I actually know how they figured out this method. I actually don't know that. But okay. Okay, but it's like a new way, I guess, of detecting it mm-hmm. on faraway planets. All right. And they're going to use um, NASA's James Webb Space Telescope to be able to do this, which isn't currently launched. It's going to be launched in 2021. Um, so one, or it's going to be like, you know, launched. And then like once oh, okay. it's, I think it's going to be like outside the planet telescope, one of those. <laughs> so that's how they would see past Earth doing this thing, which if they yes, need to. Yeah, if they even true. need to. I that's don't know true. how this works. I, don't I can't, I don't I can't emphasize <laughs> enough that I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I read this article and I was kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> like it didn't really, it was kind of confusing. When I'm you not first said lie. that, to me, as a layman, I, th- I hear, oh, it emits like a flash of light whenever oxygen collides. It's like, that's probably happening a lot in our <laughs> atmosphere, right? So you would yeah. think that like using yeah. this technology from inside of our atmosphere, you would Wouldn't just be like, really 
pew, pew, you know, pew, pew, pew. You're totally right, <laughs> like and that's constant. probably why they're launching the telescope. <laughs> right. I didn't make that connection in my mind, but you did. So that's okay. probably why. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna so say, yeah. I'm just gonna claim so that one. Let's say that that's true. Sure. Let's just say that's true. Okay. I'm basically an astronomer now. So in tw- in 2021, they're gonna launch this, and that telescope's gonna have this technology on it, so it's gonna be able to like see that. So then, when they're like analyzing all these exoplanets, they're gonna be able to see does it have oxygen in its atmosphere? Mm-hmm. So that's extra data they're gonna be able to get, which is cool. Um. So yeah, and then so basically they're gonna have this unique signal and astronomers will be able to decide more quickly if a given planet um, could host life or not when they're like looking at these exoplanets. Mm-hmm. Um, although at the end, then they started explaining about how the presence of oxygen alone in an exoplanet atmosphere is no guarantee that life is there because there's other reasons that the oxygen could be there. Sure. So then I was like, okay, so I don't know what, well, haven't we talked really before too about how we always make all these assumptions that life outside of yeah. earth is like us and like, yes. maybe they don't even need oxygen. I was thinking that too. Like what, what if there is like non-carbon based life out there? Right. And it doesn't even need oxygen. It has other it just lives with other molecules and then yeah. it's its whole world, you know. Right. It, that that's just completely excluded from this? Like I don't know. Like is it I don't know if do the scientists like actually think that way or is it that when everything gets filtered into the news into then like maybe the it's media, like the media we all they're all assuming it's like yeah. oxygen based like ma- life. It's the uh, way they write about it maybe is it from that very like narrow viewpoint perhaps. Right. I don't know, but like I got to the end of this and I was like, cool, this is cool. And then I got to the end and I was like, oh, but like there's all these other reasons oxygen could be in the atmosphere that aren't even the right. presence of life. And all these reasons that so, life could be there without the without presence, the presence of, oxygen. of oxygen. So, <laughs> like, what does uh, this actually do for hey us? Guys, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it could show us planets that are safe for humans to inhabit. You know what's a good way to guarantee there's life on a planet? Launch a human at it. <laughs> Whoa. Exactly, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's just gonna make sure they stay testing. alive like, all the way just, there, and then yeah, you just have to get them there, and then once they're there, if they go on the planet and then they're still alive, then like life on that planet, yeah. And we could go to that planet. There's life already on that planet. Like everyone would be happy. Yeah. Just saying, I'm basically astronomer, an astronomer now. So isn't that the plot of the movie Interstellar? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I haven't seen it, but yeah, it's actually kind of not exactly, but. <laughs> some commonalities. Oh, well, <laughs> you haven't you haven't seen that movie, right? No, I'm okay. not familiar with it at all. I just knew I, I recognize the name, but I've never seen it. Without and this isn't even a spoiler, but the, the whole care. the whole plot of the movie is like Earth is like dying, you know, and the, they launch these astronauts into space at to like find another planet for humans to inhabit, mm-hmm. and they go on this like journey that takes like their whole life, and they're like out in space and like trying to find it up. That's like the plot of the movie. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> Okay, it's funnier if you've seen the movie, I guess, because of, <laughs> because of what happens in it, which I'm not going to give away. But see, I was just picturing we lo- load a person into a, just some kind of self like sustaining pod, and then just we just shoot them off into space, and wherever they land. Then there's life, life on, on that planet. Life on that planet, if they're alive. I feel like that's there. cheating. Maybe I don't know. I never said I was an honest astronomer. <laughs> what are the ethics of this situation? We'll discuss that on another podcast. <laughs> We're just going to gloss over that right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. It's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that were just posted today or just happened today, and we read them to you on the fly. Oxygen? Ready, set, go! go! All right. I found this on CNN Business. Charmin's toilet paper delivery robot wants to ease your, I'm sorry for this, 
poop anxiety. Wait, is that really what it says? That's what the headline says. <gasps> You're kidding. Mm-hmm. No, I can't, I can't handle this. Uh, it says, one of the surprise stars at the 2020 CES Consumer Electronics Show, that's redundant, uh, this week was a cute tiny robot with an electronic teddy bear face that brings toilet paper rolls to bathroom users on command. The robot is designed to solve a common household problem when you're in the middle of a bathroom break and you realize you're out of toilet paper. The miniature two-wheel droid can be controlled using a smartphone app. It's not, don't worry, they're not actually selling it. Oh, okay. So it's a, it's just, it's an, just a it's fun an, like, it's demonstra- an advertising thing, demonstration less, kind but, of thing. They're not thinking that people are actually going to buy right. a robot to deliver yeah. them toilet paper. I mean, okay. it would be totally impractical too, because what, would it just be like standing by with a loaded toilet paper like what if you get forget to give it some toilet paper to hold on to like yeah also just like keep your store of toilet paper in your bathroom yeah next to the toilet it's easy that's the solution to that problem i have tons of rolls right under my bathroom (laughs) just in case of an emergency so do we you have to have that because like you know that's what you gotta do um they also had a another thing called the smell sense which determines whether a restroom smells too bad to use and we'll also inform you when it is now okay to use. I don't know how it does that. I don't know how a electronic device determines when something smells too bad. Um, wasn't really explained. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, they also had an Oculus Rift-powered virtual reality bathroom experience where you wear, oh, a, he- you wear a headset while you're in like a porta potty so that you can pretend you're anywhere but in a porta potty, I guess. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, a lot of them are, a, a lot of the rest of the articles just them saying, we're not actually selling these, it's just to sell more toilet paper, but okay, it's still. I'm okay with it then if it's just yeah. like a fun. It's, it, yeah, it's just a fun little idea. Like idea thing. Um, yeah, there's a quote from a Charmin, a Charmin spokesperson that says, poop anxiety is a real thing, and I hate that. So I just wanted to leave you with that. I'm really upset by the that term. Yeah, me and too. And its use both in the article and, and in, in the, the headline. headline. Yeah, it's not yeah. great. It's not great. Like they could have at least like replaced it with like the emoji or something. Okay, I found something on UPI, which I thought was going to be an announcement from CES, but it's actually a separate thing. Oh. Um, the headline is Flying Taxi Makes U.S. Debut at North Carolina Demonstration. So apparently today, a flying taxi with no pilot uh, made its first U.S. test flight in North Carolina with an audience of about 100 people. Governor Roy Cooper, state lawmakers, and North Carolina Department of Transportation officials were among the more than 100 spectators at the demonstration of the Ehang 216 autonomous aerial vehicle. Uh, also, I guess it actually was yesterday that the demonstration happened, but this was posted today. Okay. So I well, misspoke earlier. Still counts. Uh, the officials said they were particularly interested in Ehang's project because the company is also developing an airspace management system designed to handle hundreds of flying taxis at once. So they're already like proactively coming up with software to. Help with like air traffic control and stuff. Yeah. Uh, There were no passengers flying in the drone. It was just the the thing flying. And this is. Which seems to defeat the purpose of a taxi, but I guess if it's just for a (laughs) test flight, that's fine. 
let's watch the video together because I, I actually did not watch it yet. All right. Wait, Whoa. What, what is... Oh, That's it's like it. A, it looks like a flying coffin. <laughs> Wait. That's, okay, that's, that's a, a closer that's a, view. That's a better view. From a distance, it looked like a flying coffin. It doesn't look very comfortable. Is it meant to just hold one person or two? It looks like there's two seats. Yeah, they looked like they were real close, though. Yeah, they're they're pretty close to each other. Yeah, I kind of see the flying <laughs> coffin resemblance. Um, or maybe I'm just <laughs> it's projecting. a little unfortunate. <laughs> are you a little, are you afraid of flying? Are you afraid of afraid of flying? I'm I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid of an unmanned aerial craft, I think, is more is more of what I'm afraid of. I don't mind flying yeah, generally. I think I might also be nervous in an unmanned aerial craft. Yeah. This like, is kind of like the hyperloop for me where it's just like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be the first one to use it. I'm gonna let it go for a little bit, see what happens, yeah. see how many turn into actual coffins, and then then maybe. Okay. I get Assuming it, that I get number it. is zero. <laughs> If the number is zero, (laughs) then I'll consider using it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Maybe in 10 years from now, um, all the cars will be flying. I mean. Who knows? Who knows? All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, uh, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And uh, you can also tell your friends about us. That would be really cool of you. They can also listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, <laughs> or wherever else they want to listen to podcasts, even if it's different from you. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News and on Twitter at, at News. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. The progress also comes after the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved new therapies for metastatic disease or cancer. Wait, metastatic. Metastatic. Yeah, I said metastatic. I think I metastasize. Wait a minute. Yeah, why is that different? Metastatic is the right word, but why? (laughs) (laughs) But metastasize is the. It's not metastatic. Whatever. Metastatic is what the article says. Is it wrong? Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Wait. What did we say? Mess. I said meta. I said med. Now I don't remember metata- what we said. I said metatastic. Oh, that's right. Which also sounds like fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> which it's isn't which metastatic. Isn't. Metastatic. But the word metastasize is also correct. It means the metastasize. same thing. Metastasize. Metastatic and so the metastasize. S is, yeah, it, it all makes it's sense. It's like a weird in like a, the the. The, it feels like there should be another. It should be like metastas, metastas, metastas. Well, it's like the the. Seems like there should be I'm another S for? in there. The the highlight, not the highlight. The like, the um, inflection, Emphas- like the yeah, the, the emphasis, emphasis syllable changes, yeah. and that's why it sounds different, right? Even yeah, it's like the I think same that's le- why metastatic versus metast. It's metastatic and then metastasize. It's not metastasize. Like it's not metastatic. Right. Wait a minute. It's not metas. It's not metastatic. Okay, this is this is. Um, why are these words this way? Okay. Well, anyway, yeah. It's it's metastasize and metastatic. We got it. Okay. Should I read that sentence again? <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay.